we might look really dumb. Right. <laughs> really? No, that's never going to happen. I'm kind of used to that, so it'd be fine. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Chasing McNaughton podcast, and I'm your host, Tim Brown. With me today are my co-hosts from Tech Hockey Guide, Rob Gilreath. Hey guys, how's it going? And Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, and Tim. And we're also joined by Drew Evans from BGSUHockey.com. Thanks for the invite, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining me today, guys. As always, we'll be discussing Michigan Tech Hockey and the WCHA. Our major topics this week are BGSU's Roller Coaster Fortnite with Drew Evans, Review of the series with UAA and the pairwise implications, Michigan Tech's upcoming series with Clarkson, and as always, your questions and predictions. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll be back to start with our chat with Drew Evans. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we're back. Uh, so, Drew... Bowling Green's had an interesting couple weeks with the series with the home and home with uh, Notre Dame and then uh, crazy couple games against Huntsville. How's it going down there? I think the best thing I heard this weekend is when I asked Ty Eigner about the game on this last Saturday against Lake Superior. That was the weirdest game I've ever been involved in at all. You go down 3 nothing to, no offense, a team you shouldn't be going down 3 nothing to. And then you score nine straight like it's just no big deal. And then you look at that Notre Dame series, and it's just... I don't think people realize going that series how good Bowling Green could be this year. And it's it's kind of tough because when you look at the teams that BG's played, and this is almost like their curse, they play so well against so many good teams and then they just against teams like Lake Superior, Mich or Lake Superior and Huntsville this year. You know they turn in some not great performances. So it's I think roller coaster is a really good way to put it. You're absolutely thrilled with the fact that you swept swept Notre Dame, a really good team in the Big Ten, and then you kind of have a not so great uh, series, in my opinion, against Huntsville. So. It'll be interesting to see going forward um, how they either build or stagnate off this weekend. Yeah, I know you said Lake State, and and I'm kind of surprised that they've been as bad as they've been. I I thought Damon's been doing a good job up there, and I kind of been shocked that they've been, you know, towards the bottom all year. So I'm I'm not all that surprised that they found a way to beat you guys one night. But uh, that Huntsville series was just weird with. the three straight, and then giving up, or then scoring nine, and then having to go to overtime the second night. You know, you would have thought maybe you guys would have kind of done the same thing the second night and shook off that that bad first 
what, two periods or period and a half? And the thing is that really Friday's been their Achilles heel this year. It's been a poor performance Friday, you come back and you get them on Saturday. And even Iger mentioned after the game on uh, Saturday that these kind of games, when you come out and you're supposed to win and you don't, these are the games he gets nervous about. He's got no issue when he lines up against Mankato, Ohio State, Western, any of these teams. But for some reason, it's these teams that you quote-unquote should beat he just gets nervous for. Well, it's hard not to because in reality, like those are almost the bigger games in pairwise because if you win, you don't really go up. But if you lose, you, you can drop a ton. And and we saw that with Tech this weekend where they, they swept Alaska Anchorage and didn't really move up at all. Their, I think their RPI actually went down because of the other games. And where, but if they'd have lost, they would have dropped like 150 points in RPI, and suddenly you're you know down in the 20s instead of the the low teens. Yeah, and you guys are the real smart math guys here, so I can't really <laughs> speak too much on that. But uh, you know, you look at BG and that weekend that they lost to Lake Superior, they probably only dropped a point or two in the pairwise. Which again, I know it's not even Christmas yet, so we can't nope. really seriously talk about pairwise. Hey, we're near the top. We can talk about Paralyze all we want. <laughs> but that, but that's interesting. I, I did see a – I saw a stat last year, I think, that said it was something like 90% of the top 12 teams on New Year's Day yeah. make the tournament. Well, I think a lot of it is you've got to get through the holiday tournaments because that's a lot of the non-conference. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot of non-conference after that. And – once you're done with non-conference, for the most part, your good teams are going to stay your good teams because they're just jockeying within conference and nothing's really hurting them if they keep splitting and stay. Like, if they play 500 the rest of the year, they're probably going to stay where they are. Right. So, but the, I guess my point is we're not very far away in the season that it, no. it's starting, you start to get a picture of the tournament teams that we could have a pretty good confidence. That, you know, those are the ones that are going to be in the hunt in, in, March. Yeah. If Tech can find a way, or Bowling Green, for that matter, can find a way to do good, I guess I haven't looked at what you guys have got. You got a, you, got a holiday you tournament? Are, you guys have one more non-conference, right? And then you're done, right? Yeah, we uh, played Miami on the 30th. Yeah, that, that's not a tournament. That's just a one-off game, right? That's the completion of the home-and-home home from the season opener. Oh, you guys ended up splitting it? That's weird. I think when it was scheduled, it was scheduled under Quasi. And I think that when he made the schedule, he didn't want to play BG, MBG, and students were on campus. I don't know that to be for certain, so (laughs) don't necessarily quote me on that. But, I mean, it's not the first time something like that has happened. Yeah, and you can do that because it's not too far. Yeah, I don't know. I I still am of the feeling that anytime you have a series where it's not two games, is it really actually a series? I don't know. Those one-game weekends are just weird. We're not Eastern hockey. We don't do that. Well, was the opener um, – it was a weekend, right? Just a one-off? Yeah, the, it was the first yeah, on a Sunday at 5. Yeah, I think it was a Sunday afternoon game. <laughs> yeah. As weird as it could get. And you guys put up a touchdown. Yeah. But then I think they gave up four. There's your Feaster family, right? Yeah. Well, it's early yeah, season hockey. Right. It's just not good. You know, it's <laughs> – Touchdown, field goal scores, and no team wants the same a month later. Did 
did the outscore the Bengals that day? <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan, and it's a very distinct possibility that they've outscored them in every game so far. Um, yeah, so we talked about it a little bit last week from a person from a question online. But what what's your take on the whole um, Gavin Gould situation? I kind of thought this question would come up this week. I was kind of uh, surprised nobody asked it directly when I sent out for questions. Since you'll be here, but it's worth asking. Okay. Well, officially, nothing's ever really come out. So I can only tell you what I have heard, and I can't tell you this is exactly what happened. I am only told that this, at the end of last season, the comment was made to Gavin that you should probably find somewhere else if you want to keep playing college hockey. So that's when he made the decision to go ahead and transfer to Bowling Green. Uh, when they put in the paperwork for immediate eligibility, it was denied and that uh, Michigan Tech disagreed that he was cut outright and therefore shouldn't be eligible right away. They appealed, and it was still declined. I have no idea if that's exactly what happened. If that's not what happened, that's not my call to make. wasn't there. doesn't yeah. matter. But I'm told that he's been practicing with the team all year. Um, everything I've heard is he's expecting to come back next season for a fifth year finish out his college hockey career after that. Cool. I hope it works out for him. I, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't, from what I remember, like from what I know of how Bowling Green played, at least under Bergeron, and I'm guessing it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I'm not sure he fits. I mean, offense fits a lot of places and maybe... Uh, Eigner has a little more patience for his style than Joe did. Um, that's the biggest thing for me, but we'll see how it works out. I hope he does well next year, not against us. <laughs> <laughs> and actually what I've noticed this year is Eigner is a little bit more open-minded, I think, with his system. Um, for all of Chris Bergeron's many wonderful qualities, he wasn't always the most open to trying new things, going outside of the system that they had. But, I mean, it's hard to also argue with the success he had. Uh, but I think with the new assistant coaches, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later, is they've had the option of, hey, if you see a play and it's not necessarily what we're going for, if it's there, try it. So it's tough to tell. I mean, he's going to have that whole season to practice with the team. So I know that he's torched BG while wearing the black and gold before, so we'll <laughs> have to see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure Joe's missing his offense, but maybe not uh, some other parts of his game. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. I've I've heard that too, but again, I don't want to like. I don't know for sure. So yeah, he could be the greatest guy in the world. So yeah, honestly, I I hope it ends up working out for both schools. That's all you can really ask for. I don't mean to uh, rag on the kid at all, like, personally. I think he's a nice kid, and, and his family's been good to the program. I just don't think he... I think he was more of a Mel Pearson guy, and Joe just is way more rigid in the style he wants to play and doesn't uh, like players that don't play uh, 200 feet. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely more looking looking toward the offensive side of the ice and you know as we've talked about in some previous episodes he would be coasting and waiting at times when he could be coming back and making a play instead while looking down the ice so 
Yeah. I mean, it certainly works out. He scored some real pretty goals. So there's no doubt about that. There's been there's been good there. Yeah. You know, and he does well on that side of the ice. Problem is, is that there's there's two sides of the ice, and I think Joe expects that that play to happen on both sides. Sure, I could see that 100. percent And and while I hope to uh, to uh, not have to talk about this every week, it seems like every week somebody asks about it. So I might as well ask you, um, what's your perspective on the whole group of seven realignment stuff? You get that question too. Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody wants to know what's going on some, for some reason. It's very strange. All the time. It's almost also like I don't know why this is, but it seems like Bowling Green is the uh, the Darth Vader and all this. I don't know what it is. And everyone's like, "Ah, oh, it's BG's fault. Hmm. Screw those guys." Well, you know, we we the rest of the league doesn't want to lose that that you know. One one hundredth of a seat at the table with the D one schools because I mean, is, is that really that big of a deal in the end? I don't think so because honestly, yeah, I mean, everybody makes a big if, deal if of it, it. But if it's if at the time the vote happens, if the person on the board isn't somebody that's actually at Bowling Green, and and the people at Western and Miami disagree with the guy at Bowling Green, are they really going to vote the way Bowling Green wants in the end? Probably not, right? Yeah, I don't know what goes into the politics of it. Uh, I can just say that a few years ago, Chris Bergeron flat out told a booster he was done with the WCHA, he wanted to get out. <laughs> so when you see these things come out about, oh, we had no idea this was coming, it's like, really? Because this isn't the first time that multiple coaches, multiple administrations have brought up complaints. Yeah. Um, well, what are What are some of those complaints from the BG perspective? It's money. It's always going to be money in college hockey. Um, I know that a lot of times people look at BGL, oh, your division one. So you just probably have these endless cash reserves just, you know, sitting around. That's really not the case. Um, division one football, bowl subdivision is very expensive. And that's one of the things that I think Bowling Green's sort of facing right now is, and not to turn this into a football podcast. But football is kind of going to that way of, do you really want to try and compete with your LSUs, your Auburns, your Ohio States? Or is maybe a good idea to maybe drop down to one AA or FCS? And I'm not saying BG's talking about that. I'm really not. But when you look at that anchor, you know, hockey probably falls around middle of the pack as far as league budgets with the rest of the WCHA leagues. That's honestly the truth. They're always trying to find money for it, but it's honestly not there. So the biggest thing right now is they're trying to find ways to cut down travel costs. So I I understand that they receive those stipends to go to Huntsville and to go to the Alaskas. And they say, well, you can always just play those extra games and make up for it. But what they don't also tell you is a few years ago, the season was extended. So as it is, you already lost one of your bye weeks because of the way that the playoffs got moved to campus sites. Yep. So now you're telling someone, okay, you can make up this lost revenue by not getting a single bye week until Christmas. And that's this, and a sport as brutal as hockey, you can't do that. Uh, the other thing is, and it's we have to be honest, it's, it's competitive reasons. Um, you know, Huntsville, I don't think they've, they may have had one or two winning seasons since they moved to Division One. Uh, Anchorage, they've had their struggles. I think 
Fairbanks is probably in the best shape of the three. But even then you read about, well, their ice plants disintegrating. So they're going to have to move all their games into their practice rink like Anchorage did. And then you also have, are they going to be around in three years? Because the government keeps playing games with them. Yeah. So when you look at all these different things and the way it's working against them, it was already going to be a stressful situation. And then this summer, Anchorage says, well, we're moving our games to our practice rink. And from what I'm told, the decision was made pretty much unilaterally by the league. Okay, that's fine. Even though there's league bylaws that say you need to be playing in a 2,500-seat arena. Yeah, that arena, and we've touched on it on a couple other podcasts, is a, a black mark of shame, if you will, on the WCHA Yeah, it's, right it's not Division One. Nope. It's not Division One rink in any way. Like, no, it's it's I, a did, bad did I read it's the, a bad Minnesota high school rink. And did I read the first game against Fairbanks? The team wasn't even allowed to dress before the game until an hour before. There were no swimming conflicts at all. That's all just rumor, right? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there were no, there the, were swimming conflicts. Yeah. There the were Alaska, actually swimming conflicts. The you Alaska are correct. T players oh. could not get into their locker room when they wanted because people were still getting done and changing from swim practice. Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay, let's say that you're a kid getting recruited WCHA program and you hear that's happening at one of your teams. Yep. yep. Well, I even that it's or not like, in your backyard. And we've talked about it too. Like the WCH after dark thing is awesome, but when one of the two programs that has a game at that time slot is showing it from a low angle that makes it hard to see through the glass and the rest of it looks pixelated because it's through that net. Like it just reflects poorly on the rest of the teams. It does. And I, that's one thing we talked to uh, Mr. Robertson about a few years ago is we said, you know, you've got this streaming platform, which by all accounts has been really financially successful for the league, but not every team's held to those same standards. You don't have a lot of programs that are showing their multiple angles, a quality commentator, a lot of teams are just setting up their coach cam, having some guy calling the game next to it, and it's really poor quality. And for what you're charging for that, it's not acceptable. And I just think overall, you look at the programs that are committed to hockey, just like you said, it's a black eye for the league. And they just, I think they're just tired of these. It seems like every year there's something. And I think the teams are just tired of it. I think in five years we're going to look back and both Alaska schools will be gone. And the it's going to be, in hindsight, a big mistake that they're trying to hold on to both of them. It, two years ago, they should have they should have went through with you know some sort of you know one school solution, right? Whether that's some sort of combination or just Fairbanks or what it whatever it should be, but I think. It's good. They're going to look back and say they tried to keep both of them when it was untenable. And if they would have cut bait on one of them five years ago or two years ago, they they might have been able to keep one. Yeah. And well, I think it goes it goes back a little bit to some of Britain's comments, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right, where he talked about how he hates the fact that as an Alaska school, he's always he at Fairbanks is always lumped in with Anchorage. They're always the Alaska schools. Yeah. Where I think in reality, what we're seeing is two schools up there. One is going in the right direction as far as hockey goes and working on things and improving things, and the other is just not. Well, and I think, and I think you, we talk about travel and all that stuff. Like, and and Drew mentioned the exempt game situation. Part of the problem with the exempt game situation is that we don't 
our, these team, uh, the teams involved don't always get enough home games out of those extra games, but also that having four exempt games is a lot to fit into the schedule, and a lot of teams just choose not to do it because it's too right. It's too hard to get it all in when, especially with the extra or the missing weekend now because of the playoff schedule. That said, I would much rather have the playoffs the way we're doing them now. Anyways, it's such oh, yeah. a better way from a playoff perspective. I prefer that to be honest. Absolutely. But, uh, and and the thing is, if it was me and my team, I'd be pissed off. Absolutely, I'd be pissed off. I went through it at BG when they were getting ready to cut the program, so I understand. Right, yeah, it 100%. you guys had that scare just recently. Yeah, and it's it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. There's no other way to put it. But at the same time, at what point do you does it just not make sense to to keep putting these programs up and dragging them along when they're they're just it's just not worth those other teams anymore. Yeah. Well, Division One college sports is is a business, and it's a big business. And college hockey isn't football or basketball, but it's still a huge investment for a lot of institutions. And if they're not going to live up to the standards of the rest of the league, then then they should find something else. That that's where I think. Well, I think my like the frustra- most frustrating part there to me. Is the is your comment there that the league just decided it unilaterally? It sounds like without talking to the rest of the schools, the league office made the decision that moving there was okay. <laughs> now I I don't know what the league's going to say. What are they going to say? No, you can't move. Sorry, yeah. go and you know go into the red, stay in your big arena. But at the same time, the league's got to stand up for the other schools as well. Well, it reminds you, know? you a lot about some of the talk that they had about like when McLeod got renewed before the yeah. WCHA <laughs> fell apart, like. Feels something just got vu-ish. doesn't it it feels like yeah it does for some sure. things happen without really talking to the other members and you're yep. just supposed to take it and it's not really a good situation so yeah but you, you, you say that this... you say that they you know they made a decision without consulting the other teams in the league well the other teams in the league weren't consulted when anchorage decided to move to some rinky dink you know high school rink either and i understand the league they they need to try to look out for all the programs, because all the programs pay their league fees and all that every year. But at some point, when do you stop creating this artificial parity in the league? And when do you start letting the programs who are committed stand out and succeed? So I think that those frustrations, they just boiled over, and, and we'll have to see what happens in two years. Yeah. Now, is, is your expectation from, the, from, from your side of it that the seven are going to stay together, or are they going separate ways? I've heard a few you different things. want to throw things. that fun in there. <laughs> I, I've heard a few different things. Um, uh, realistically, I say, yeah, they probably all seven stick together, and then an eighth is added at some point. I can tell you again, rumors, what I've heard, none of this is coming from any official person. Um, there were discussions with an eighth school, with multiple schools this summer, about possibly being that eighth person, or eighth team, excuse me. I haven't heard that any team agreed, disagreed, just that discussions had begun to happen. Um, I heard there were a couple Atlantic hockey schools. I heard they kicked the tires on Miami and Western. Uh, I don't believe they reached out to Arizona State. You're going to get us in trouble again. Yeah, Miami Western's a hot button. That one gets us yelled at. Who yells at you? (laughs) Everybody online. The people from Miami Miami and Western. Western. (laughs) Okay, I've heard that Western is a hard no. Top okay. to bottom, Western's a hard no. Okay. I've heard Miami 
when you talk to when you go from coaches up to administration, it's about 50-50. Okay. So I don't think we're necessarily going to see that happen. But the one interesting thing I'll kind of point out here is when Chris Bergeron took over, they were still in the CCHA, and that first season was brutal. They won like eight games. The WCHA is honestly the best thing that happened to Bowling Green in terms of what the program is going through at that time. Because Sounds they like weren't, a really familiar story here. I, it does. <laughs> and it, you weren't playing your Michigans, Michigan States. Or Wisconsin's, North Dakotas. Yeah, yeah. that sounds real similar. <laughs> yeah. So when you move to this league that, we'll be honest, it's not a top-tier league at this point, that really helped BG rebuild the program. If they were going out and they were losing 25 games a season, that's not going to help you. It's not going to help you rebuild. So that's one thing that Miami might look at is, hey, we could stay in the NCHC and just get smoked for the next five or six seasons until we're able to build this thing back up. Or we could try to work out a deal where we move to the bus league and you're going to be more competitive on a week-to-week basis. And that's going to, in turn, make you look better to some of those recruits. But again, it's all about money. You know, Are they going to be willing to pay that exit fee? And I also yeah. think it's interesting that Huntsville, you know, put in their submission to leave the league. It, it's not outside the realm of possibilities that if maybe Huntsville comes with a strong package of we'll pay this much towards travel, they might be the 18th. Well, isn't there rumors, too, of Huntsville getting a new arena that's a little bit more appropriately sized than either on campus or something like that? I thought I'd heard or read out, something about they that, They put too. out, like, plans for that, but you know how far out that can be. Yeah, and, yeah and, of course. And how I think that it's can on be their master much, plan. like, asking for, like, funding or whatever. Um, yeah, they've, I mean, that Alabama, that Alabama system is going to need to extend Saban here soon, so they got to watch <laughs> their money. Because he missed the playoffs? He needs more recruiting budget, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's more college football talk. Um, I still think the eighth team is going to be St. Thomas, but we've talked about that in past podcasts. Um, well, the the other possibility still is if is if if the NCHC and Mankato and Miami come to some agreement, that could be a switch too, where Mankato gets what they want, Miami gets out without a fee. They're both at eight. We talked last week with Matt Wellens where the where Minnesota State might help bring more attendance to the final or the final face off, whatever it's frozen face off. I can't remember what it's called, whatever. Because they're yeah, local. They're, they're they're better than the Big Ten tournament tournament. And I'm guessing like from a from a subscription to videos side, Minnesota State's probably gonna outdo Miami. Um little bigger school and the popularity right now is pretty high. Um, but from a league standpoint, other than, you know, some of the points that you're making do make sense, but they need a cupcake though. They need cupcakes. <laughs> Every league needs cupcakes because they do, but that doesn't mean, I mean, Miami wasn't a cupcake when it was created, but none of those teams were cupcakes when it was created and no. everybody and knew honestly, that some, somebody was going to get the short straw and become the, that's the one of my boy. favorite parts of the whole NCHC thing. All these teams went to go to a new league because they were all the, the best teams in their leagues. Then you just wait for two of them to settle down there on the bottom and just be pissed off. <laughs> and at that point, little tiny violin is playing because I just don't care. <laughs> And the other thing, it might be kind of interesting, Just I have no idea if this is even plausible, is if you just do a trade 
Bemidji and Mankato for Western and Miami. Yeah, and that got shot down by Matt pretty hard. That yeah, they, a, that they have the zero interest side, in yeah. Bemidji. Because it makes too much sense. Well, geographically <laughs> it does, but like yeah. financially it doesn't. They don't really add anything, I don't think, especially yeah. compared to Western. Yeah, he, and he, he, he made a good point on Western. Why would Western want to leave? They went from being I mean, they put in the CCHA whole PowerPoint just to get in. Yeah, called why, why Western? Western. Like I think, <laughs> well, I think Western is is benefiting from it. Like I think their their recruiting's improving because they're the Michigan team in that league. They they went from they went from being you know mediocre to bad in the CCHA to being a pretty dang good team in what is a better conference. Everything's turned out good for Western. Yeah. yeah. Realignment's always as tough because what should be common sense is no longer common sense anymore. Well, I mean, you you look at the just drawing circles around the teams geographically, and it's just it's rage inducing to see <laughs> where the conferences have ended up. You know, yeah. Because yeah, I would tell people it's like, oh, who are they playing this weekend? It's like, oh, we're playing Alabama Huntsville. Like, weren't you playing Alaska a couple weeks ago? I was like, <laughs> right. oh yeah, it's the Western yep. Collegiate Hockey Association. Every team west of here, we play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it sounds like the, I, don't know, I think, was it Matt that brought up the point last week about uh, just cutting bait on the old names too and just starting over being a good thing? Yeah, you don't, you're not tied to that. But, you know, when, when we did that transition too, like the WCHA still had the same leadership. And I think that's a lot of what held them back versus the name. And I do think it'd be really sad if in two years there is no WCHA or CCHA. But I think that's what's coming though. I really do. Yeah. They're both getting rebranded, and they're both they're both those names are dead and gone now. I kind of hope Fairbanks and Alaska play each, or Fairbanks and Anchorage play each other about twenty five times a year, it, and they the call WCHA. each other the WCHA. And whoever wins gets the sour <laughs> trophy. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Two teams from Alaska competing for a trophy named after a badger. They can get the the, the maple syrup cup. Yeah. <laughs> Anderson's maple syrup in the one state that you still can't get it now. Yeah. <laughs> the true. The, the true Western college hockey. <laughs> Maybe they can add Arizona State. Yeah. Now, Arizona State seems like they just don't care. They're going to do the Notre Dame independent, you know, what, to reach back to college football again, right? They're just <laughs> going to do the independent thing for as long as they possibly can and milk it because people want to well, go. Well, it's not so much that as much as I don't think they can get into where they want to because the, their rink is 800 people. It's, it's well, And that. frankly, it's not hurting them. No. Look at the last two years. No, it's and they're getting recruits. Because, because teams want to go to Arizona in the winter and, and visit. And, and recruits want to go to Arizona in the winter. Yeah. We've had that discussion already, although I think that was on the one I, you didn't publish. Yeah, I think that you, either you didn't publish it or you cut out the reason for the recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't need to get myself in any trouble. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put a no comment on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Probably be better than as someone, who's, as someone who's been on ASU's campus, I'm just going to go with no comment. <laughs> I think I'm too old to comment on that now. That's yeah, same. Did you want to touch on any of Jeffrey Frederick's questions? Yeah, sure. What are your impressions of your new coach? Might as well get that uh, one out there. I, I've known Ty all 10 years he's been here, so it's it was cool to see him get the job. I'm a big fan of Ty, just as a person, as a coach. Uh, when they were going through the process this summer, and I know this is part of his question, they actually did bring in donors, and they said, who do you like? And one of those names, top, there are two names top of the list, was Dan Bilesma and Iggs. And, you know, they took a run at 
Disco Dan, and he just he, the money wasn't there that he needed to take the job. So even then, I think Eigner was the better choice in that, and ultimately he got the job. And I think what we've seen so far is that. Yeah, that first month when you bring in new coaches, assistants, it's going to be a bit of a learning process. And there were a few games that they weren't great in, like the uh, icebreaker. But you know, we've had seen these last few weeks, and I think you're finally starting to see that team that they're being coached the way that they want to be coached. So yeah. it, everything I've heard is, and again, you can't really complain about a lot of five start. So no, no, you guys are you guys have had so a great start this the, year. Did the other assistant go to Miami with Bergeron? Yeah, so Barry Shooty, he went down with uh, Burge to Miami. So Ty stayed here, and he brought in his two assistants. Okay. And then also the hockey ops, Jimmy Spratt, who actually was a goalie for BG, he went down with Burge to Miami as well. Okay. I'm just glad that Bednard's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys were going to say you're happy Lucas Craggs is gone. No, Bednard, uh, Bednard is the name that makes me angry from you guys for the last three years uh-huh. or so. Yeah, it, that giant and net stopping everything is real frustrating. Yeah, he he was fun to watch. It's been really weird that I think the past four goalies at BG now they've all taken turns being number one in all the stat categories. So you went from like Hammond, you know, you have Bednard, now you have Dop. It's just been it's been crazy how they've been able just to reload every year. And Tommy Burke, I can't forget him. Well, he only played for you guys for three years. Did he leave early then? Bednard, yeah. He was uh, drafted by the Panthers. So it's that that whole three-year drafted thing that they tell the guys after three years, go ahead and sign with us so that we don't lose you. Sure, sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, he's just a massive presence in the net. The guy's just huge. He just looks – it's like the exact opposite of Pietola for us, one of our goalies this year, where when he gets in the net, it looks like, oh, man, he's way too tiny to actually play in goal. Pietola's Pietola's got a guy that's like 6'4", though. I didn't notice. Huntsville's backup goalie is like 6'4". Okay. With considering that like four of their forwards are 5'8 or 5'9", it was quite the contrast when they were on the ice together. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, thanks for joining us, Drew. Hey, had a great time. I guess it's time to review the UAA series and its pairwise implications. Anybody got much they want to say about the series itself or the two games? I did what we needed to do. Simple as that. They found a way to win after going down each game. It's fantastic. I was a little disappointed just in, I think I was going into that series with really hoping that they would break out in a way that they could build some offensive momentum. And I don't think they did that. Towards the end of the Saturday game, it it was starting to come together. But I, I, I looked at that series as a potential for, you know, putting up quite a few goals and really finding their groove on on the the goal scoring side, and it didn't play out like that. Obviously, you can't really complain about a sweep, but it. Um, I was hoping that they'd score a little more. I think they ran into ran into a hot goalie. I mean, he, he played real well on Friday night. Well, I think that, and I think Joe talked about that in this week's mm-hmm. episode quite quite well, talking about the. You know, the goal scorer score and how many chances Parentino's gotten and how many he's managed to finish. And that yeah, talk seeing about that versus seeing goalie. Yeah, yeah. The seeing that versus seeing goalie. I thought that was a really good take that I'd never really heard before. Um, yeah, that's that very was a new, fitting. That because, was a new approach to me. Because through all that time when we struggled as fans watching them, how many times did they get a great shot and all they did was hit the goalie in the middle of the chest? You, like, 
and and I totally see that the way he's talking about it now that like the players who see the net like they're trying to pick out which corner is their best choice at this moment and the other guys are just trying to make sure it's on frame and they just end up hitting the middle and hitting the goalie and and we did a lot of that this weekend with our good chances and and uh, that's a little frustrating but at the same time it's good to see like they managed to create all those chances and despite giving up that shorthanded goal they still found a way to fight back and win that first game and not let that you know what 45 minutes of frustration get to them and and lose that game i think that was really telling to me that well, they found a way you know a few weeks ago we were talking about how it looked like you know, when they got down in games that they they didn't they didn't come back it, it, or they it was difficult for them to come back in games where they gave up they goals early down. and maybe what we're seeing now is is that team maturing and figuring yeah, that you part touched out on it earlier in the year yep you know, exactly right to your point yeah well we've got three straight home games now where they've given up the first goal and found a way to win so that's that's good to see um, it'll be interesting to see if they can do something like that on the road in the future, whether it's at the I think, or Arizona I think State. we should just score the first goal and stay ahead. We should. Well, let's, try nice that. To, let's try that approach. That is fun, but it's nice to uh, <laughs> see them deal with adversity in a positive way and fight back yeah, and get for the win. Because sure. you're not going to score the first goal every time. Nope. Yeah, and those, and those are games where I, th- I think uh, earlier in the season – it, it it fell apart, like Dustin has said. You know, right? They've matured to the point where that single goal isn't stopping the team from playing their game. And hopefully, it is a sign of that maturity, and it's not just a sign of the fact that Anchorage isn't that good. But you know, they played a really good road series and didn't get yeah. any points out of it. And and I, you know, I from a. a the quality of the the competition standpoint, they they don't really compare with Tech, and it's nice to see Tech find a way to win those games despite the goalie doing so well. But I think Joe was good to point out that like, yeah, he did well, but we also hit him in the chest a lot, and that and that's just the, the way it is. Um, since we keep talking pairwise, I thought we'd bring it up again for this series and basically just say that the, the biggest thing about this is. Games like this and series like this are games that can hurt you if you lose, but they don't really help if you win, and and that's what happened. You can tell that we swept, but we didn't. Um, I think we actually, you know, fell in the pairwise from before the weekend, right? Um, so, and I, we've climbed back up a little bit based on other results this last week, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a matter of them continuing to find a way to win those games and you can only worry about what you got what you're doing yourselves and and the next you know six games are huge for for tournament implications and pairwise because they're non-conference hopefully all six are non-conference i don't really want to pay play ferris a fifth time or a first time which would end up playing them five times well it while it isn't ideal to play Ferris, uh, I would take a Tech Ferris championship game. That's fair because if that happens, our odds of winning are higher. I think than and then uh, and and they play Michigan, right? Because we play State. Is that right? I think that's correct. Let me pop the schedule up here real quick. I've and got the I've got the BG schedule up from our previous conversations. Yeah, Tech, Tech plays Michigan State, and Ferris State plays Michigan. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I think that, I think that's the way it goes. And and, and you know, Michigan Michigan State third place games really warm my heart. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I I do appreciate there, though. There there's is something. A, there there's is a something certain kind watching. of irony of of them getting to play together on that final day, <laughs> but in the wrong game. <laughs> Uh, I I am definitely not sad on the, on the very few years we end up seeing that happen. <laughs> but I also really like the idea of going in there and and beating both those Big Ten schools to yeah. win it. It happened last year, right? Tech played Lake State for the championship last year, right? Right. Or that two years ago. Hasn't Michigan Michigan State been the third place game like two or three years in a row now? It, it's possible. I, I don't know. Because Tech has, it's at least two years because we played Western two years ago, didn't we? That sounds right. Something like that. My memory isn't real great. so No, I'm sure it's happened. I just maybe got the order all wrong. I guess that's about all we have about uh, Anchorage. And You got anything, Rob, you want to say that we didn't say? No, no, I think I'm good on the Anchorage series. I'm glad, glad they did it the right way. So now we got the Clarkson series coming up. You know, big implications. It's good to get a non-conference series at home. Um, Clarkson's pretty high in the pairwise. I know Jonathan Zamatis is working on his preview, and he's going to kind of rip them to shreds for being as high as they are in the pairwise because they really haven't played anybody. I mean, uh, high in the pairwise. Or polls? They're four in the polls. And they're four in the you polls. Because they're, well, they're high in both, right? They're 15 in pairwise, but number four in the country in polls. Well, I don't think yeah. they're really 15th in the country either. So, yeah. Well, it's easy enough. We prove it this weekend, right? I mean, right. they were a so. tournament team last year, right? Right, and their record is good. They just haven't played anybody to deserve that. Um, yeah, but, I think their but strength you can only play is... the team that you've you've got, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's a good chance for Tech to on home ice to show what they've got, and you know, hopefully the 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 crowds into it with what is finals or next week, I think. Is that right? I think it's it's. I think from listening to the Joe show, and all, both of all three of us are so far detached from actual college at this point yeah, that uh, I have no idea what the actual schedule is. But I think Joe said it was on the show that it was two weeks from now. It's not this week. It's next week. Yeah, finals are after Clarkson. So yeah, like, yeah. So they'll be. So, yeah. I suppose so you the, would so be the studying. students might yeah. be studying this coming weekend yeah. for finals, especially Monday I'm a finals. Li- we're all a little detached from that yeah. Uh, yeah. necessity. I, did, at this I point. didn't study two days in advance. <laughs> no, that's a waste no, of time. Never. You finish once <laughs> you finish one final and start studying for the next one. That's how it goes. If and that. I would have been lucky if I started studying before Monday. It depends how hungover I was on yeah. Monday morning. <laughs> and what time my first final was. God forbid, 7 o'clock Monday morning. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say other than, like, this is another weekend where Tech needs to go in and find a way to get, get three points on the weekend. And, and we're talking NCA system, you know, two for a win, one for a tie. Um, I, that's That's got to be what you're hoping for from a pairwise perspective, if not the sweep. And I think they've got the ability to do it. it uh, it's a big series for the team because it's the non-conference series at home. Um, I'm just happy we're seeing us play an Eastern team, not in a tournament. I like the fact that we've got some non-conference games finally looking East this year with you know, with Robert Morris and with Clarkson. And it does uh, sound like, um, from what Joe said on his, his show this week, that there's future... Um, matchups planned with Clarkson, and that's a that's going to yeah, be a relationship. Yeah, sounds like we're going back with, there next yeah. year already, right? Yeah, I, I really hope that falls on a weekend I can go because I really wanted to go 
last yeah, year and it didn't work out for me. No, I didn't. I wasn't able to make it either. And my parents went and loved it up there. Yeah, uh, they had a good time. So I would, um, I would love to see an ongoing Tech Northern St. Lawrence Clarkson thing. Um, well, that's that's specifically what uh, Joe was talking about yep, today, right? Get right. that locking in, get your ability to have another comparison in the pairwise. And, and get that comparison with an Eastern school that has some common opponents that are different. Right. You know, it's a it's a big it's a big help in the pairwise if you can win those games for either team, right? So both Correct. team benefits from it. So yeah, no, it's a know, good it's, situation. It, I think it's a great shot. I hope I hope he can convince uh, Grant Patalny to get in on that and want to do it. I'm guessing part of his hesitation is that he's got connections west that he can maybe get more. I don't know what he can do but maybe he's got more connections west to get more series with minnesota schools so it's well, easier it on the like budget he was even, he was even uh, talking about the fact that you might be able to get lake state involved and do a thursday yeah. thursday well, lake saturday state wants type to be too, involved so. i think joe's trying to it's avoid that because it's harder yeah. to get st lawrence and clarkson to agree to that one Yep. Yeah, for sure. But no, I I like to see that. I mean, you know, like Joe mentioned, you know, the, the the areas and the campuses are, it's a close rivalry type thing between them and and it's Saint, you know, SLU up there, right? I believe. Yep. And and with us in Northern, so it makes a ton of sense. And if you can do that travel partner wise and get get a few years of that going, that's one less two for one type deal that both Northern and Tech have to deal with. Yeah. So it's, it's a good situation. No, I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about that one? No. Till we get into predictions? I don't know how they can claim to still be tech at this point if we do have any Clarkson fans listening. I Clarkson mean, tech or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They're not. They're not they, they got rid of their tech. Give it up. All right. So we're back and we're going to go through the rest of your questions that we didn't get to with Drew earlier. I guess we can start with uh, Jeffrey Frederick asking... If anybody's going to catch Mankato and who? No. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, no. No. I think that's a perfectly acceptable answer. No, uh, I, I, it's pretty clear Mankato's a a little bit ahead of the rest of the league at this point. Beginning you know, of the that, season, I said they're a 35 win team, and I'm I'm going to stick with that. I think I, they're easily a 35 win team at this point. I just want to see them not. St. Cloud the tournament this year. Yeah. <laughs> That's the important part, right? That as a league, the WCHA just needs I mean, we've all been so close in games. The tech games that were that that they've lost the last few years were tight games. The WCHA needs to get to the second round <laughs> for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, you hopefully know? hopefully they have two or three chances this year. I if it, if it keeps going the way it's been going this year, we're going to be definitely more than just a one bid league. I would love to see us put th- you know four in, three of us on pairwise and one on a on auto bid. Yeah, we'll have to we'll see what it what what it looks like after the holiday tournaments and right and the ASU series for us and the amount of grumpiness that you would hear from elsewhere in college hockey fandom of the WCHA putting four leagues in the tournament would. <laughs> Would be fantastic. That would, that would make me so happy. John Comer via email sent us some graphs from Recovering Ops, a UNO fan on Twitter, that shows each team's total shots, shot attempts, plus shot attempts allowed per game. And nine out of the ten WCHA teams are in the bottom third of the country. And Minnesota State's the only one in the top half at 28th, while the rest are seven to 11, uh, 17 shots 
behind Minnesota State, and I think Anchorage is dead last in the country. And his question after all of that was, is our conference super boring? And if so, what's the remedy? So I want to take a slight different angle approach at that, right? I've watched Penn State a couple of times in the tournament and in person as they've been in the same region as Tech, right? Right. And Penn State puts up, what, 40 shots a game or something ridiculous like that? They, they, mean, they, they are they number seem... one, and this is shots attempted. Right, it's ridiculously they... high. I don't want to watch two teams that have no idea what defense is play each other either. No, I, I, mean, I agree it, with that. Watching, I think it was Penn State. I can't think who Penn State played in the first round before they played Denver. It was Penn State and Union, Union I think yeah. it was. In, it was in Cincinnati, wasn't it? Yeah. A couple of years back. And all of the Penn State fans were talking up about how much they were going to crush Denver because of <laughs> how many shots they had and how many points they put up on Union. And anybody that watched that with the slightest bit of hockey IQ could see what was coming the next night <laughs> when they got absolutely destroyed by Denver because they have no defense whatsoever. Yeah. So, so I don't want to watch full trap on all defense all the time, but – I don't want to watch the Penn State put up a ton of shots and not have anything useful come of it either. So Penn State That's boring too. has attempted 74 shots a game. Yeah. And allowed that's, 55. That's ridiculous on in its own. Minnesota State, the highest one in our conference, is at 61 and 47. Can you imagine being a goalie when your team is putting up 70 shots and just not caring about defense on the other end. The guy's going to have PTSD by the end of the yeah. season for how many shots he's facing. Yep. Well, the interesting one on there, as you're scrolling down, Tim, I see North Dakota is near the bottom. That is very surprising to me. That that doesn't seem like a team that I'd well, expect they, to be they, down there. They aren't. Uh, it's total. So the reason they're so low is they're not allowing them. They're one. They're top, what? They're greenish what is, on the shots taken. What is so the top what is the 20. what is the actual hmm. uh, scrolling? What's the ranking column there? The ranking column is total shots uh, allowed and attempted per game, like the gotcha. total. But like North Dakota's got fifty-seven shot attempts, which is more than anybody in the WCHA, but Bowling Green and Minnesota State, but only allowing thirty-nine, which is like the lowest second lowest in the country so you're, you're telling me that huntsville with a nice bright green in the shot attempts allowed way at still but still way at the bottom of the list is probably not a good thing no they have <laughs> uh, the fourth most shots allowed attempts allowed yeah, i think the, bg put like 50 up on them on friday yeah there's not going to be a lot of stats we look at from an alabama huntsville perspective that look positive <laughs> No. At this point of the of the they year. have the they have the fewest shots attempted in the country per game. So I I I understand what the guy, what they're saying. I I like to be more where Minnesota State is in the middle of the road. Sure, not quite as uh, conservative as maybe Tech plays sometimes, but I don't mind it most of the time. It, I think a lot of it, a lot of our conference being so low, I think has more to do with. We're playing in the WCHA where Bemidji State and Anchorage and Huntsville and Ferris are all trying to do like to play lockdown defense and hope to score on their five to twelve chances a game. <laughs> like I'd also be curious to see blocks as a part of this too. Yeah. You know, 
what what teams are actually you know, getting in the way and blocking shots, whereas some of those high gunning offensive styles aren't getting the blocks in as well. I, I also don't think that this is necessarily the, the correlation between this list and whether or not it's boring or not isn't a real clear one to me. I mean, just because you're putting a whole lot of shots on net doesn't mean that it's exciting hockey. Yeah, if all your shots are blue line. No, because you're not talking about scoring chances. You're not talking about how many of them are from low scoring chance places. Exactly. That have no chance of going in. You're just shooting the puck to shoot the puck and you turn it over and it's going the other way right away. Yep. Like I don't, I did not enjoy watching Penn State. Like you said, that that that's not no. hockey to me because it's not. Yeah, it's just not fun. Yep, I didn't enjoy that game much at all. So, on Twitter, Mark Bailey asked, "Should tech fans be concerned that we have not gotten a recruit in what is going on, or what is going to be three months as of Tuesday?" And my simple answer to that is no, because if you go look on the Tech Hockey Guide recruiting grid, which I will hey, guess throw what up I was a link. Just pulling up myself yeah, to look at. <laughs> and you can let me know whether or not it's wrong compared to what I have in my Excel spreadsheet, because I've been a little slow to update it. But we currently have 11 defensemen. We're losing two, and we're adding two next year. So we're still going to have 11. So we literally need no defensemen next year. Unless somebody leaves early. We currently have 15 forwards. And we're losing two and we're gaining three. So we're going to have 16 forwards next year. Oh, we're going to have a run for longest name on a jersey in a while here. It looks like two looking out there. Nevan Campanoro. Yeah, I don't know how yeah, to say his name. But we got, uh, that, that's got to be giving Vlasovic a run for its money. Yeah. I just put him in the column this week, too. Did you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, um, I was going through all the goal-scored pucks that the Misfits have, and I couldn't help but just throw out the all-name team, Eli Vlasovlevich, and I was going to make a comment about um, – actually brought up the fact that he's, like, written two books now. Yeah, he's got – it's Dr. Vlasovlevich, isn't it? Yes, I'm it pretty is. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just talked – it was kind of nice to bring him up and circle back and talk about, you know – the good old days of like road tripping with his dad. And I randomly run into him every once in a while around here. Cause he goes to the, uh, um, Brugger's bagels in uh, North Oaks. He likes walks there every day for exercise. Meet his up with dad some, or him, his dad. Cause he's down, uh, Eli's down in downstate Michigan, I think. Oh, okay. Cause I, I think, think he did his, his doctoral stuff at Ann Arbor, I think. Okay, he he might have been in the the duplex beside us my senior year. There okay. were a couple of hockey guys over there. And I don't remember who they were at this point. Yeah. So <laughs> so really, from a recruiting standpoint, the only thing Tech is looking for is a third string goalie or a third goalie. And based on the way the other two have played, it's probably going to be a walk on type, depending on what Joe can get. But I I assume he's going to be happy with Beidoun and Pietala being one two next year. Or one a one. Yeah, I think both both of them have shown they can they can play. Jurisic just you know got the hot hand and has has won it at this point. And then I think the only other thing Joe's looking for is a top six score, and he's going to be very picky on that. And even then, like you go out another year, and you've got five forwards coming in for three leaving, and then you've got um, one defenseman, possibly two coming in the year after because you've got two more committed. I don't really know when. 
Oliver Bezik's coming in. Um, so you don't... Joe's pretty far out on recruiting right now all across the board, except for goaltending, and you don't really go goalie early because you just don't know how... You know, unless you've got like a a family member like a Pietala sitting there or a Kaukonen, you're not going to... Yeah, you're not going to go early it's on that. Kukunen? Yeah, that that okay. should be Kukunen if it's the okay. same way as the Kukunens from Lake Linden. So I did have fun on Twitter the other night. Maple Grove posted like a a scoring summary of one of the goals for Maple Grove hockey, and I thought there was a third Kukunen that I didn't know about because it the the assist was from Thomas and Kukunen, and I thought it was there's a Thomas Kukunen that I need to look oh, up now. Okay, sure. And I didn't know Suzanne <laughs> had another nephew, but uh, apparently it wasn't. It was some. It was just another kid named last name Thomas. So. Yeah, I, I think um, I think really probably what they're doing right now is focusing on two, three years out, talking to the young kids and trying to build that relationship with some of the yeah. more high end kids a few years out, so we can start to see you know them be committing hopefully in the next year or two. Well, the other thing is we got we got a couple of really big uh, our underclassmen this year are both big classes too, right? So right. the expectation next year is a smaller class coming in will be my guess. Right, because we're not losing a whole lot. And then I think the other right. thing you have to look at, too, is you've got um, Carson Bantle and is – I can't remember which one's the younger one. I'll have to look at my other tab here. I, I would not be surprised if Bantle came in early the way that he's playing in the USHL this year. First birthdays. Yeah, I would, not, I would not be surprised if Bantle and um, the Kukkonen boys come in next year with – Kyle and uh, Carson having no time in juniors. Like, they are, like, potential true freshmen next year. And I think Joe might be waiting to see how that plays out before he makes decisions on committing sure, other kids. Because sure. I know he wouldn't want to lose Bantle because he chose not to. Well, Bant- Bantle's is he signed? juniors now. Is he in juniors he's now? Two, he's at two years of juniors, yeah. He's in Madison now. But he's a, yeah. well, probably because of where he is. But he's a young kid, right? Be, uh, yeah, he is only seventeen, but yeah. he's played two years of juniors. I was, yeah, you know, I was really excited when I looked in, in at Heisenberg and saw that uh, we've got like four recruits playing for Madison. So I went to go see how Madison's doing. They're terrible. It's not a good year for Madison. <laughs> three, they're three nineteen and one. Well, I, yeah, three ba- wow. three wins, nineteen losses. Yes, so wow, not a good year. But uh, looking at the. The top scorers in the USHL, Bantle is, for being a young kid in the USHL, he is currently seventh in scoring on a team that isn't very good, uh, with ten goals and fourteen assists in twenty-three games. So he, he's a point per game player at the age of seventeen in the USHL, and that is that's a pretty nice number to put up. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, the four guys we got on there, the oldest one just turned 19, like, two days, three days ago. So, like, it's not like they're old USHL players either. They must be a pretty young team overall, huh? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, It's not good to see that they're that bad, but who knows what that is. Maybe they have, like, the worst goalie in the whole league. I don't know what the the general age of USHL teams are, but... The vast majority, probably two-thirds of their team, are 18 and under. Yeah. I think that pretty much answers that, Mark. Um, Moving on, Andy Londo asked, 
Jerusik is rocking it in the net for the Huskies. Why is there so much shuffling of goalies? Seems like every other week there's a change in goal with a hot goalie. Why keep changing it up? I think that's settled now. I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty settled. The last few years, I think we've finally seen it, or last few weeks, rather. I think we've seen it settled. Jurisic well, seems to be, has won it. Yeah, I think if you listen to the Joe show, he had very good reasons for all the goalie switches he made. Yeah, And each sure. time he went back to Jerusik, and and Jerusik's deserved it, and and it's been worth it. Um, and I think I think your other problem is Pietla and Beidoun... Uh, I'm not going to say that they're like disgruntled or anything like that, but like not from a perspective of like you need to like keep them happy, but like I think both of them need to play some this year. I'm not like, you know, one out of ten games each kind of thing. Just like and Jerusik needs some time off too, but and they but he's done a good job of keeping it balanced. Jerusik's done well. I I don't think Joe's doing anything wrong with the goalies this year, honestly. It's, no, I it's think been this good. year it's been handled well, for sure. Yeah. You know, you see some adversity. Sometimes it's good to change the goalie. He's done that on, what, two occasions? And yep. it's And it's and it's worked out well for him. I think I think he's handling it very well. I don't think it's the, the shuffle, carousel, scared goalie situation you've had the last couple of years. Um, yeah. So I think that's about it for questions. So I guess we'll take a short break and come back with predictions. All right, we're back for predictions. And there isn't much to talk about today. We've got Huntsville at Ferris. The I'd rather watch basketball series. Um, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, no, that's not. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. I'd throw on a Downton Abbey rerun, though. A Downton Abbey rerun. <laughs> I, I watched that show a couple episodes, and I forgot I was watching it. So, um, <laughs> I, I don't think I really want to pick that. Bowling Green at Lake State and Minnesota State at Northern. Um, Lake State split with Bowling Green earlier this year in Bowling Green. So I'll start off and say I think they're going to find a way to do that again just to kind of screw with Drew and the fan base. It's <laughs> it's um like I really think Bowling Green should be able to go in there and sweep, but I I don't I don't think they will. What do you guys think? Uh I'm going to pick a Bowling Green sweep. Um I think you know last week was just a little bit of a hiccup. And they got out of it unscathed, and uh, you know I think they're as good as they showed two weeks ago against Notre Dame, and I think they're going to go out and sweep Lake State this week. Okay, Rob, I think Lake State's going to take the first one, and Bowling Green takes the second one for the split. Okay, uh, Lake State, I think is they don't they they their record I think is worse than what they they have been this year. You know, like I said, the the, the sweep we had against them. They showed they could play with us and win that second game, and we just jurisdic kept us in it. So, I think late states, late states, do for it. All right, and they're coming off a tough weekend with Minnesota State too. So you know, they're, they're due. I'll go with a sweep or a split rather. Split, okay. And then Minnesota State Northern, Rob. 
I think Minnesota State sweeps them, and that's not just because I hate Northern. Um, <laughs> Minnesota State's just been ridiculously, ridiculously good this year, both out of conference and conference. I, I don't think Northern's going to be the one to give them, uh, give them their their losses here. They're they're going to go in there and take care of business. I, uh, Mavs roll, and I, I don't think it would be inappropriate to say that. I don't think that Mankato loses again the rest of the year until NCAA tournament, and hopefully not then either. Yeah, they've got St. Cloud and then, you know, the Bemidji-Minnesota split to finish the year out. So, yeah, I could see them keeping their streak alive. I mean, what are they at right now? A win streak of like eight or something like that, at least? Well, isn't their only loss to Bowling Green? Uh, and a tie to North Dakota. Yep, one loss to Bowling Green. Yeah, and that was an OT... And OT loss too, I think too. So it wasn't uh, a straight up, straight loss either. Nine straight wins. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, they're past the toughest part of their schedule. The toughest part of the schedule is playing North Dakota and Duluth. They passed the, that test with with flying colors. And yep. I I think they roll the rest of the year. I mean, the the the, the the amount of goals they haven't let up is ridiculous. I mean, it's not just that they're winning games; they're just not letting anybody score at all. Yeah, you know, what the, so the toughest games they've got left is they have, they go to Bowling Green, they host Alaska, that could be a potentially tough Saturday game. And and their their trip to Alaska is Anchorage, right? They yeah. don't have a so of the two Alaska trips they have to do, they have the easier if you will of the two. Yeah. They do have four games left against Bemidji that they could hiccup on one of those possibly but yeah i'm, I'm leaning towards them toughest game left tough, toughest games left are at bowling green at bowling green, i, I could yeah, see bowling sure. green splitting with them again but really i mean and there's and that's fine that's not gonna hurt them no um no they're, they're they've rolling. got a lot of they've got a lot of those games that hurt don't help left too yep yeah, two. Yeah, they've put themselves in a position now where they just have to win out and maintain at this point and i don't see a reason why they can't Yep. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Minnesota State sweep of Northern. I wouldn't be surprised if one night's close, but I I, I don't see them losing. Um, and then we get on to the, the Clarkson Tech Series. Um, Dustin, you want to go first? I've been thinking about this one, and I do not think Tech is going to sweep. Um so I'm going to pick a split, and I'm actually I'm, I'm really nervous about this weekend because I I think Clarkson is a better team than I I think you guys both think they are. Um, I'm I I do think Clarkson's pretty good, and uh, I'm picking a split, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Clarkson win too. I think I think the whole hindrance is or the whole hangup is that they they haven't played anybody, but you can only play who's in front of you. And we know from experience that they're a, a well-coached team, that they're going to come in prepared. And, and I can totally see what you're saying. But since it's non-conference series, I'm going to go with Tech getting three points. Um, in a shootout? No, there's no shootouts. It's against the rules to have a shootout in a non-conference series. If there's no... Uh, the way it, sh- the way it should be. Rules <laughs> are made to be broken. Yeah. Unless there's a, <laughs> unless there's implications for a tournament, there will be no shootouts this weekend at all. 
works. Ties are fine. Ties are fine. I'm like, guessing that's why Rob <laughs> is going to the games. <laughs> yeah, is that no why you're going to the shootouts? No shootouts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's no shootouts, the only no three reason three. I'm going to these games for my first games. Yeah, there's no shootouts possible, so it's safe for me to go. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's just the first weekend I've been able to get home with actual games. All right, so, so what do you got, Rob? I'm gonna I'm gonna go as much as I want to see a sweep. I'm gonna go with a split as well. I think uh, we'll we'll come out win the first game, and then uh, Clarkson gets over the travel and all that kind of fun that they've got coming in, and uh, manages to win on the second game. But I think they're gonna be good close games. It's always interesting to see a, a team that you haven't seen your team play, right? I mean, I, I got to see Clarkson play uh, not last year, but the year before in the, in the tournament. But I've only seen them play once, so it's it's always fun to see a new team. That's one of the reasons why I am going home. I want to see Tech play a team I haven't seen them play. So, cool. All right, so we got all our predictions done. I don't think there's really anything else. I've got one more. You got one more thing? All right. Um, so guys, I've got this week's Joe Sean analogy of the week, <laughs> and we have a guest appearance this week um, <laughs> from from Dirk on the Joe Show this morning. Uh, this morning which it's Monday, um, this week, Dirk compared Tyler Rockwell to none other than Wayne Gretzky. So <laughs> that is your analogy of the week. Do, do we, do we want to talk about what the comparison was? I think it's better just to leave it at okay. that. <laughs> it's funnier to leave it just as that. No, I'll give you that. <laughs> All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including unpublished episode one. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at TechHockeyGuide. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know, and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Please check out Jonathan's Amata series previews every Friday and Mike Antleiter's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday, unless he's in India, and then I get to write something instead. <laughs> there should be some, also be some semi-regular content on Mondays and Tuesdays going forward from Matt Cavender and myself, and maybe Rob Gilreath if he gets off his butt. I've got some ideas. Yeah, you got some ideas. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. As always, special thanks to our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Show me the right vote
Night. 